Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 vets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio on Independent Dog 1100 KFNX. It's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Hey, welcome everybody. It's Will Bangura, the host of Pet Talk Today, heard on 1100 KFNX each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., where I take your calls and answer your dog and cat behavior and training questions. Today, I'm doing a special podcast. We're not on the air. We're not on the radio. This is only going to be heard by podcast only. And the subject for today's podcast is going to be potty training. How do you successfully potty train a dog, whether that is a brand new puppy that you just got, or it is an older dog that you just rescued or got. And also, when we're talking about potty training, we're going to include in that marking because some people like to separate marking into a separate behavior, but quite frankly, as far as dealing with it, you need to be dealing with it as if it's a potty training issue, if you want to get that resolved. Now, I'm going to be going through potty training as if you have a dog that is the most difficult dog in the world to potty train. It's up to you to decide which of these suggestions you're going to follow in order to potty train your new puppy or dog. The number one rule for anybody that's potty training a puppy or a dog is this. Your puppy, your dog, needs to be supervised and in your eyesight. Your puppy needs to have a leash on, and that puppy or dog needs to be with you at all times. When you cannot keep your eyesight on your new puppy or dog that you're potty training, when you cannot keep that new puppy or dog with you in your eyesight on leash, you need to crate your dog. Your dog needs to be in a crate that is just slightly larger than your dog. Most dogs most puppies are not going to soil their crate. Now, if you've not crate trained your dog or puppy and you have a puppy that is struggling with some anxiety over the crate, well, that's not what this podcast is about. Hopefully in the future, I'll do a podcast specifically on crate training but this is not that podcast. But the number one rule is supervise or confine. And the biggest reason is, is that too often the dog or puppy gets out of our eyesight and then has an accident. And every accident that we don't catch, every accident that there's not a correction or consequence, your new dog or puppy is being conditioned that it's just fine to use the house as a toilet. You will never get your puppy or dog successfully potty trained if your dog continues to have accidents where there is no 
correction, where there is no consequence. Now, we need to talk about corrections. We need to talk about consequences. The first thing you need to know is that one size doesn't fit all. You know, dogs have different temperaments, and size of dog kind of means very little. You could have a dog that has a very soft temperament. You barely look at them, point your finger at them, and they fall apart. They're rolling on their back, peeing themselves. And on the other hand, you can have dogs with a very hard temperament. Um, You could practically hit them upside the head with a two-by-four, and they think it's a great game and want you to then throw the two-by-four for them to fetch, okay? Now, don't hit your dogs upside the head with a two-by-four. I shouldn't have to say that, but in today's crazy climate, we have to give out those warnings. So the number one rule is supervise your dog or puppy by having your dog or puppy on the leash with you in your eyesight. And when you cannot, make sure that you have crated or confined your dog or puppy. Now, another rule, and and you should be writing these things down, is that before you ever put your dog or puppy in a crate, make sure that you take the puppy or dog outside for at least five minutes to relieve itself. Give it the opportunity to go. What we don't want to do is take a dog or a puppy, especially a young puppy who doesn't have the ability uh, to hold it because their sphincter and bladder muscles aren't fully developed. We definitely want to make sure that they have an opportunity to go to the bathroom. We don't want them to begin to use their crate as their bathroom. Now, let's talk a little bit more about crating your puppy or dog. Let's say that you have taken your puppy or dog outside because you believe it needs to relieve itself. It's either going to pee or it's going to have a bowel movement. At least you think so. You take the puppy or dog outside and the puppy doesn't do anything. The dog doesn't do anything, but you're convinced that, hey, I know this puppy, I know this dog needs to go. Don't continue to stay outside. When you take your puppy or dog outside, take them out there for five minutes. If they don't go in five minutes and you feel that they definitely need to go, you need to put your puppy, you need to put your dog in that crate for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, you take your puppy or your dog out of that crate, bring them back outside, For another five minutes, give them an opportunity to relieve themselves. If they don't do anything in those five minutes, repeat that process if you think they definitely need to go. Put them back in the crate for 15 minutes and then take them back outside. Once they relieve themselves, then they can stay out of the crate. But again, remember rule number one, they can stay out of the crate, but they need to be on leash with you, supervised in your eyesight. Okay? Rule number two, every single time your dog or puppy goes to the bathroom in the correct area, you need to be rewarding your dog with the highest value food reward you can possibly find. Your puppy, your dog needs a paycheck. The only way that you're going to motivate a dog or a puppy is if there is a pattern where they begin to understand that certain behaviors get rewards. And when there is a pattern, 
that they begin to understand that there are certain behaviors that get corrections or consequences, and it's your job to be 100% consistent. Nothing will screw up training more than not being consistent. That will drive your new puppy, your new dog crazy. And quite frankly, it's not fair because when you do that, it's like changing up the rules on a dime. So we need the structure. We need the routine. We need to be consistent. Potty training often takes longer in terms of complete and total success than what most people think. On average, it is going to take about two months to successfully potty train a dog if you do everything right. Now, that doesn't mean that during those two months, there are little to no accidents. It's possible that there might be a lot of accidents. It's possible there might not be a lot of accidents. So that two-month time frame is not set in stone. All of that is up to you. The other aspect that is going to determine how long it's going to take your dog or puppy to potty train is going to be the age of your puppy or dog, the size and breed of your puppy or dog. Obviously, younger puppies, they can't hold it as long. They're going to have more accidents. The other thing, the smaller the dog, the smaller the breed the more challenging it's going to be for them to hold it. And there's going to be more accidents. In those particular situations, it may take longer than 60 days. Now, there's always the situation. There's always the case where you've got a dog or a puppy that potty trains successfully much quicker. Hey, if that's your puppy, if that's your dog, fantastic. That's icing on the cake. Remember, I said when I'm doing this podcast on potty training, I'm going to do it from the perspective, assuming that you have the most difficult dog to potty train in the world. And which of these suggestions and rules you apply, that's up to you. I guarantee you, if you apply all of my suggestions, all of my rules, you will have the most successful potty training experience with your puppy and dog in the least amount of time possible. Let's face it, nobody wants their dog or puppy using their house as a toilet. That's one of the reasons why I'm doing this special podcast to make sure that people understand how to get this taken care of. Because what I have found in my 30 plus years of training dogs is this is the one area that most people hate the most. Nobody wants their dog or puppy using their house as a toilet. So let me recap in terms of our first rules. The number one rule for successful potty training is supervise or confine. And when you're supervising, the dog is on leash and with you. When you cannot supervise or confine, or excuse me, when you cannot supervise, you're confining. And that confining is in a crate. Rule number two, or 1.5, if you will, Anytime you're going to put your puppy or dog in the crate, you need to take them outside for five minutes, give them an opportunity to relieve themselves. If they don't relieve themselves in those five minutes, bring them back in, but go ahead and put them in the crate for 15 minutes, then take them back outside for another five minutes, giving them another opportunity to relieve themselves. 
you're going to continue that process until your dog goes to the bathroom. If for some reason you find that your dog doesn't and you've been doing that, well, what's probably happening is if you thought your dog had to go and it didn't, there's a possibility that your dog's holding it longer. It's a possibility that it's growing and that it's bladder muscle and sphincter muscle might be stronger. So rule number three is going to be to keep a potty training journal or a potty training log. And what you're going to do with that is every single time you feed your puppy or dog, you're going to write down what time the dog or puppy ate. Every time your dog or puppy drinks, you're going to write down what time your dog or puppy drank. In that journal, in that potty training log, you're also going to mark down every single time your dog urinates and every single time your dog or puppy defecates. You're going to itemize it, though, in terms of you're going to identify whether when the puppy or dog went to the bathroom, was it an accident or was it success? Okay. One of the reasons we keep a potty training log, one of the reasons we keep a potty training journal is because it allows us to be able to predict when the puppy or dog needs to go out. Now, in order to have success with that and to be able to predict when your puppy or dog needs to go to the bathroom, when we need to get them out, we have to feed on a strict schedule or the times are going to be all over the place. I recommend that you do the same thing with water. When I've got a puppy or a new dog that I need to potty train, I don't leave food down. I don't leave water down. I feed twice a day. That food goes down for about five minutes. I pick it up. It doesn't go back down for 12 hours. Then it's down for five minutes. I pick it up. I've trained all of my dogs to eat very quickly but safely when that food bowl goes down. They're not finicky. They don't lollygag with their eating. By doing that and keeping track of when your dog has bowel movements, we're going to see a pattern. We're going to see a cycle. Now, hypothetically, let's just say that dog A eats. And after dog A eats, it has a bowel movement 30 minutes later. And that's either happening by our journal, either outside in the correct place or accidents that we've corrected in the act. Remember, we're supervising, so we're going to be able to correct all of the accidents in the act, right? Well, after about a week's worth of journaling, after about a week's worth of data, writing down every time your dog eats, every time your dog drinks, writing down every time your dog pees, writing down every time your dog defecates, marking down on that journal whether it's an accident or whether it happened successfully where we want the dog to go to the bathroom. Well, after we get data for about a week, we can take a look at that data and it's going to give us an indication it's going to allow us to somewhat predict how long after your dog or puppy drank did your dog pee? How long after your puppy or dog ate did your dog defecate? Also, how often does it happen? And what I mean by that is some dogs you'll take out and they'll squat or lift their leg to pee 
and they empty their bladder right away. Then there are other dogs that will pee a little bit by squatting or lifting, and they'll stop, and then they'll go somewhere else. They'll squat, lift their leg, pee a little bit. They may do that two, three, four times before they empty their bladder. Well, that's important to know. Same thing with when they defecate. Some dogs will, you know, empty their bowel completely with the first squat. Some dogs are going to squat, have a bowel movement, then they're going to move around the yard or wherever they're going to the bathroom in the right place, and they may squat and do a second one or a third. That's what I call a single, double, or triple dumper. You need to know what your puppy or dog is going to do because let's say, for example, you've got a puppy that poops twice. Almost every single time it poops twice. Sorry about that, guys. That was actually my cell phone that went off. Let me go ahead and turn off the ringer on that. Um, But yeah, we may have a dog or a puppy that when it goes outside poops and almost every time it poops a second time. Well, if we don't know that, what can happen? We take the dog out, the dog poops. We think we're in a great place. We bring the dog back in and within three, four or five minutes, the dog's pooping again in the house. So it's important to know how your dog relieves itself. Because if your dog's a double or triple triple dumper, you're not going to want to bring the dog in after that first bowel movement. So remember that. That's important. The same thing with urinating. Again, like I said, some puppies, some dogs are going to empty their bladder completely with one squat or leg lift. Some are going to do it several times. So if you've got a puppy or a dog that is going to squat or lift its legs, say, three times to empty its bladder on average, and they only did it once and you brought them right back in, you might be in a situation where within two to three, four, five minutes, that puppy or dog is squatting or lifting its leg in the house. And now you've got a pee accident in the house. So that potty training journal, that potty training log does a couple things. It allows us to be able to predict when they'll need to go after they drink or after they eat. And it will allow us to know whether or not they emptied their bladder or emptied their sphincter in one squat or whether it's going to be two, three, four. It's going to be different depending upon the dog. That's so we can have greater success because There are two things that need to happen. The biggest two things that need to happen is that every time the dog has an accident, there's a correction. There's a consequence. Well, every time your dog does it successfully, urinates, defecates in the right place, there's got to be a high value food reward. What we want to do is we want to minimize as many accidents as possible And we want to maximize as many successes as possible. That potty training log, that potty training journal allows us to do that. Now, we also need to talk about the fact that there's the importance of rewarding and there's a timing issue. So the next rule is going to be talking about food rewards or toy rewards, or love, praise, and affection, but positive reinforcement. You've got zero to a half a second to reward your dog when your dog goes to the bathroom in the correct place. Now, 
a lot of people, they're rewarding their dogs and using food to reward their dogs, but their timing is off. They're late. And so what happens is the dog or the puppy enjoys the food, but they're not necessarily connecting the dots cognitively that the reason they got the food reward was because they went to the bathroom in the right place. If we don't get the food in the dog's mouth within zero to a half a second, when they do the right behavior, they're not going to connect the dots. So we've got to get the food to them immediately. Now, what we don't want to do is we don't want to distract them when they go out there by having food in our hand. So have that in your pocket, have it in your hand, hide it behind your back. But the exact moment your puppy or dog gets up and finishes pooping or gets up and finishes peeing at the exact minute they're done, that's when you want to say, good girl or good boy, and give them the food reward immediately. Well-timed rewards are critical. Now, the higher the value the food reward, the more motivated your dog is to go to the bathroom in the right place so that it can um, get that particular food reward. Don't be cheap. Make sure that you're giving your dog something that it absolutely loves. Think about yourself. How long would you continue to work? How long would you continue to go to your job if you didn't get paid? So the food reward is a paycheck for your dog doing the work. You know, there's a lot of people I come across who are like, I don't want to train with food. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to. You know, your dog doesn't have to be as motivated. The training can take a whole lot longer. It's up to you. But if you want it to go fast and you want it to be successful, use high value food rewards if you've got a dog that, you know, has a good appetite. Now, some dogs, they're not going to care about food at all. Even if we cut up little pieces of hot dog or steak or chicken. And again, those are high value food rewards. Some dogs are going to have little to no food motivation. Hopefully, those dogs love toys, love to chase a ball, love to chase a toy. If that's their chocolate, so to speak, if that's the thing that they like the most, then reward with the ball, reward with the toy. Some dogs aren't going to care about food. They're not going to care about toys. They might be incredibly social. You know, you get excited. Oh, good girl. And they get crazy excited. Okay. And they get super, super happy. So if that's the kind of dog you have, your positive reinforcement is going to be incredibly excitable, exuberant praise at the right moment. However, most dogs are food motivated, especially if you find the right kind of food reward. Try cut up pieces of steak, cut up pieces of chicken, little cut up pieces of hot dog. And when you use food rewards for training, they should be tiny. The size of that food reward should be about the size of a pea. We're not there to give big, large food rewards um, when we're training. You want to keep the high value food rewards specifically for potty training. The more scarce the high value reward is, the more valuable it is. Let's say your dog or puppy gets that same treat or food reward all throughout the day for doing all kinds of things. Well, it loses its value. So to really motivate your dog, find the food reward that has the greatest value and only use that one for potty training until you've had success. 
Again, I'm going to go ahead and recap and summarize our rules. The number one rule for potty training a new puppy or dog is supervise the dog or confine the dog. Basically, keep the dog in your eyesight, on a leash at all times. If you can't do that, the dog needs to be in the crate. The next rule is anytime you crate your dog, you need to take the dog outside first for five minutes and allow it to relieve itself. If your puppy or dog does not relieve itself in those five minutes and you truly believe it definitely has to go, then you're going to go ahead and crate the puppy for 15 minutes. Then you're going to go ahead and take that puppy or dog back outside, give it another five minutes to relieve itself, and you're going to continue that process until your puppy or dog goes to the bathroom. The next rule, the third rule, is going to be to keep a potty training journal, keep a potty training log. That's going to help you to be able to predict when your puppy or dog has to go to the bathroom so that you can mitigate and minimize accidents and maximize successes. The next rule that we have is going to be to feed on a schedule and to water on a schedule because that corresponds to the whole journal idea. Um, if we don't feed on a schedule, if we don't water on a schedule, then that journal is going to be absolutely useless. Once you get your puppy or dog fully potty trained and you've had success for several months, um, then you can go ahead and just leave water down instead of putting it down um, at scheduled times. Um, I do recommend that for the rest of your dog's life, you feed your dog on a schedule. Dogs tend to do better when we do that. The other thing that I want to discuss is um, a little more about timing. In our training program, we use a marker training system. So let me talk a little bit about markers. Markers are something that lets the dog or puppy know that its behavior is getting a food reward. A marker doesn't mean anything until we pair that with the actual food reward. Some of you may have heard of clicker training, but maybe you don't know exactly what that means and how to do it. Well, a clicker is a type of marker. Um, a click just makes a sound. That sound is neutral. It doesn't mean anything to the dog. However, if for four days, every day, we took 30 little pieces of high-value food rewards and we went click, gave the dog the treat, click, gave the dog the treat, and kept repeating that click, treat, click, treat, click, treat, we'll condition the dog to understand that that click means treat. Now, the beautiful thing about a marker such as a click, once they understand that it means it's getting a treat, our timing is impeccable. Because think about it. When your dog does a particular behavior, we can click immediately. It may take us a little while to actually get the food reward in the dog's mouth. So that marker that we condition, that click that we've conditioned to food, once it's conditioned, it's a bridge between the click and the food. The dog understands that that click means food's coming. So really, our timing becomes perfect. We're no longer late. So one of the things that I recommend is that you condition your dog to understand that click means treat. You're creating that marker. Now, 
you don't have to use a clicker. There can be all kinds of different things that are markers that you can condition and pair with that food reward. For example, you could say, yes, give a treat. Yes, give a treat. Yes, give a treat. Yes, give a treat. Do that about 30 times in a row every day for about four days. Test it. Say yes and see if your dog comes running to you looking for a treat. Or if you did it with a clicker on about day four, give it a test. Click the clicker. Does your dog come running to you for a treat? If it does, you know that you have successfully conditioned the marker. Now you're able to use that marker to mark behaviors and let the dog know that a reward is coming and you've got perfect timing. The next step is going to be about cleaning up the mess. Dogs have an incredible sense of smell. I want you to think about this. A dog, if it has been trained to alert on the smell of blood, can actually smell one drop of blood in a 55-gallon barrel of water. So that one drop of blood can be diluted by 55 gallons of water. And if we were to bring a dog in the room where there's three 55-gallon drums full of water and only one of them has one drop of blood, the dog can identify with its incredible sense of smell which one of those 55-gallon barrels has the drop of blood. So the problem is when it comes to potty training... We clean up the messes most of the time with cleaning items that are made for humans that will get rid of the smell for you and I. However, that doesn't guarantee that the smell is gone for the dog. And if the smell is still there, dogs are definitely going to go back to areas where they have had accidents or where they have marked and do it again. So, one of the big rules is to clean up properly. So let's talk a little bit about how you properly clean up an accident. The first thing is you have to have a black light. I guarantee you if your dog or puppy's having accidents in your home or apartment, there are accidents that you missed that you didn't see happen, that never got cleaned up. Every time I mention this to somebody and I say, hey, get a black light because going through the house at night with a black light you're going to see things light up in bright lights with that black light. And the things that light up big and bright, those are going to be pee accidents. You may also see where there was a poop accident, but usually we find the poop accidents and we're able to clean those up. However, the scent might still be there. So if you can see the accident still with the black light, I guarantee you the dog can still smell it. So we need to make sure that we have the right kind of cleaning supply to get rid of the smell for the dog. And that's something that has to be enzyme-based. My favorite and what I think is the most effective cleaning agent that gets rid of the smell for the puppy or dog is SCOE10X. And you can get that online at SCOE, the number 10 x.com. You probably can find it on Amazon as well, but that is the best product if you really want to make sure that you have gotten rid of the smell. Now, after you've cleaned up the mess, make sure you go back later after everything's dried and go back with that black light and make sure that it doesn't light up again. If it lights up, you need to treat it 
again. But this is a critical step that a lot of people miss. And again, your dog's going to keep wanting to go back to areas that it's already gone. So we've got to get rid of that odor. We've got to use the right kind of product in order to be able to do that. Other products that I kind of like, but not as well as the SCOE10X, um, are Get Serious Extractor and Nature's Miracle. But I definitely believe the SCOE10X is the best product that you can possibly get. As your puppy, as your dog gets older, and this pertains more to a young puppy, they're going to gain better control of their bladder muscle as it grows. They're going to gain better control of their sphincter muscle as it continues to grow. So I want to talk a little bit about that and how that can relate to your potty training journal, your potty training log. You may find a pattern initially that pretty much tells you, and again, this is hypothetical times. Every dog might be different, but let's say I've got dog A, it drinks water. I'm seeing a pattern in my potty training journal, my potty training log that about a half hour after it drinks, the puppy is always peeing. Or let's talk about food. Again, this is hypothetical. Dog A eats and dog A about an hour after it eats has a bowel movement. And we have seen this to be consistent pretty much at those times, day in and day out. Now, all of a sudden, what we were able to predict, we're getting the dog out now and the dog's not going. And remember I said, if the dog doesn't go and you really think it has to go, you put it in the crate for 15 minutes and then take it back out and keep repeating that until the puppy or dog goes. Well, if we find that we've done that and the puppy never goes within an hour and that's consistent, guess what? We need to continue to put down in our journal those times because as the puppy gets older, the puppy's going to hold it longer. And now we don't have to get the puppy out as often when we get to that stage. But the only way that you're going to know that is by keeping a potty training journal, a potty training log. And when you do that, you can be a whole lot more successful. Now, let me talk about corrections because Corrections are a very important part of successfully potty training your dog. First and foremost, you've got to be consistent. You need to be able to correct your dog in the act every single time your dog's having an accident. Never, ever, ever correct your dog after the fact. I don't care if it's five seconds after the fact. Your dog will not connect the dots cognitively that the reason it's being corrected is because it went to the bathroom in the wrong place. You literally have to catch the dog in the act. Now, I've had people that try to debate me on it, and I'm not going to debate anyone on it. The science is there. You can look it up for yourself, or you can choose not to believe me and not successfully potty train your dog. But you have to correct your dog in the act. You cannot correct your dog late. The other thing that we need to discuss when it comes to corrections are the difference between a correction and an interruption. Most people do not correct their dogs. Most people are merely interrupting the dog's behavior. Now, what's the difference? Well, 
a correction is unpleasant. It's not abusive. It's not cruel. You don't want to cause fear, pain, or intimidation, but you need to startle the dog. Something unpleasant needs to happen. Now, I know there's a lot of trainers out there that will tell you never, ever correct the dog. All you need to do is use positive reinforcement only. All you need to do is reward the dog for doing the good behaviors and you can successfully train your dog. I'm going to call BS on that. And the other thing that I'm going to say is that it's cruel. And I'm going to tell you why it's cruel. Because you're giving the dog, you're giving the animal only half of the information that it needs to be successful in our world. The way the universe works, the way the world works, there's rewards and consequences. We don't live in an artificial universe that there are no consequences and it's all rewards. A lot of positive reinforcement dog trainers are going to tell you that they can train your dog that way. Well, I can tell you in my 30 years, I have never seen a dog that has been extremely well trained using positive reinforcement only. Now, again, as I talk about corrections, nobody's here to cause fear, pain, or intimidation to your puppy or dog. If you do that, you're a jerk, okay? I love dogs. I'm assuming that you love dogs. We should be using a ton of positive reinforcement, but there's got to be consequences. And when it comes to corrections, I want you to watch your puppy or dog's reaction when you give a correction. Never give a correction where you're hitting the dog, never smack the dog, never rub the dog's nose in it. Usually a good, sharp, firm, verbal correction, a very sharp, no, oftentimes will work. Now, if you do that and you notice your dog's wagging its tail running up to you, looking at you like that was great, I guarantee you that was an interruption. That was not a correction. Now, if you see your puppy or dog get a little bit uncomfortable, that's a correction. If you see your puppy or dog tuck its tail, run away crying, that's abuse. That's too much. I assume that people can use common sense, that they can see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and they're going to do what's right for their dog. But the one thing that I've noted, and I've had to help people with a lot, is that oftentimes they're merely interrupting their dog's behavior. They're not correcting the behavior. And I get it. People are afraid they're going to hurt the dog. I don't want you hurting your dog either. But I need you to look and see what is your puppy, what is your dog's response to the correction that you're giving. Let me go ahead and recap. Let me go ahead and wrap things up here. We're talking about successfully potty training a new dog or a puppy. And like I said earlier, if you've got a dog that's marking, you're going to do the exact same thing. Because literally, if your dog's marking in the house, it does not understand that it's against the rules. It does not understand that it's not okay to go to the bathroom in the house. So it doesn't matter whether it's potty training, marking, the way you deal with it is all the same. Hopefully in this podcast over the last 39, 40 minutes, you've gotten some good tips that you can go ahead and apply those when it comes to potty training your new puppy or dog. Um, If you have not subscribed 
to our podcast, please subscribe. If you have friends that have puppies or dogs, please share this information with them. We're trying to, our goal is to put out as much good free content when it comes to training dogs and training cats as possible. Hopefully this was helpful. If you have questions about anything here, you guys can always email me. You can email me. The email address is will at pettalktoday.com. That's will at pettalktoday.com. And if you're local, if you're in the Phoenix area, be sure to tune in each and every Saturday morning on 1100 KFNX AM radio. I, you can also go on the 1100kfnx.com website and live stream the show. So if you're not in Phoenix, if you're not in Arizona, if you're out of state or for that matter, out of country, because we've got about 27 different countries where people are listening to our podcast, you can live stream the show. Go to 1100kfnx.com and then go find the link for live streaming the show. If you're looking at a laptop or a desktop, it'll be easy to see. If you're on a tablet or a smartphone, look for an arrow in the up-hand right corner. And when you click on that, it will allow you to go ahead and live stream Pet Talk Today, our show that is on Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m., Thank you for listening. Again, I hope this podcast on potty training was helpful. Have a great day. Who let the dogs out?